You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very changemakers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number 16 of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown, and in this episode, Alyssa Sweetman joins the show. Alyssa is a current director of strategy and social impact at Player2, the founder of Influencing Good, and also the former director of social impact at Twitch. From helping nonprofits raise hundreds of millions of dollars to being named to Forbes' 30 under 30 list for the gaming industry, Alyssa has quite the resume and experience, which we dig into in this episode. With that being said, let's get into the show. Alyssa, welcome to Behind the Impact. Hi, great to be here. I'm very excited to talk to you. I know you have a very extensive background in social impact and you've done incredible work over the years. So I'm very excited to talk to you about that and learn more about your background. But before we get into what you're doing today, what I would like to do is to learn more about your journey into social impact. So can you give me the, the background in terms of how you got into the profession? So it was entirely by accident. It's multi-layered. I've always been a gamer, so I've always enjoyed gaming as a hobby. And then in college, I was told, hey, check out Twitch. They can watch you play video games. A friend thought like my charming personality would make me a really big influencer. But I discovered Twitch, joined a group at the time that was doing charity fundraising, uh, not too legally at the time. Um, and they weren't doing anything nefarious. They just, it was a really early stage. There weren't a lot of tools. They didn't know what they were doing. And I'm the type of person to get like super entrenched. So I took over that pro part of the program for that gaming group for their nonprofit fundraising and graduated college. Um, uh, for some reason, when I graduated college, I thought that my like career path was going to be chief revenue or chief financial officer rather um, quite the opposite of what I ended up in. But like most people, my family is lower middle class and was very hit hard, um, was hit really, really hard in 2008 when the market crashed. And so sitting in these interviews and listening to like the questions they were asking, I knew that I was not going to be able to sleep at night if when I went to go work for the same institutions and go do the same type of work that caused you know, my family and so many other families to be negatively impacted for generations. So I was like, well, what do I do with this economics degree I just got? I know, I'll go teach English language arts as a second grade teacher. Uh, so I went to go do that. And all the while, I'm still doing regular fundraising, organizing. I was not always the, I was not as often on-screen talent. I'm very process and operationally organized. So I do it a lot of organizing and getting other people on screen. So we raised money for nonprofits. And that caught the attention of Twitch, just there wasn't as much of it. We weren't by far raising the most of the people doing it. We were rather small, but there were a handful of people who understood why it worked. And so um, my now former boss, Andrew Schroeder Reyes, reached out to me and was like, hey, would you consider applying to this role we have here at Twitch? And I was like, sure, can I stay in Texas? And he was like, no. And I was like, all right, I'll apply. So the whole process, you know, I'm a girl, it's tech, it's gaming. I didn't think that I would get past the phone interview. Then I didn't think that I would get um, past, you know, the next step. And then it was I was flying out there and the whole time was I'm not going to take this job even if they offer it. 
but I'm not going to get it anyways. Um, and it was towards the end of the school year and went and did the in-person interview. And then a week later, I had been picked and I was like, oh, OK, I guess I am going out there. Um, and a bit, it was big important to me that I didn't leave the kids before the school year ended. And I taught second grade and all of those kids loved Five Nights at Freddy's. Why second graders are watching YouTubers and Five Nights at Freddy's, I do not know. Um, and so that's kind of like how I transitioned to Twitch. And originally it was just supporting other content creators that were doing fundraising. So that transformed over time to educating nonprofits. But very quickly, like within my first year, um, I don't even quite remember exactly how. I think it was like a brainstorm. Like our team had to come up with some other stuff to do. Um, you know, metrics, goals, you know, make make sure you're looking busy. And we were like, well, why don't we do things like Black History Month? So um, in 2018, I launched the first Black History Month. I had no DEI experience. And if you go look at the blog post from the very first Black History Month of Twitch, you will absolutely tell that I had no DEI experience because I call it African American History Month because I was going as close to the textbook as possible. It was super sensitive. I'm a white woman and I was like, I am not messing this up. I mean, I did, but no one was upset. Like it, it didn't mess up in a way that like harmed anybody. Um, and that, like the experience from that changed me. The amount of people that reached out that said how important it was to see stuff like that is really like how I pivoted from just like charity fundraising to what's the social impact story. And I'm a really, really big advocate that social impact is not just some marketing thing you put up. It needs to have a tangible impact. Right. And I think that we're at this road where everything's super popular to do. The feel good stories are super popular, but the impact is not actually always tied to whatever marketing campaign folks are doing in this realm. So that's kind of how I got into it. And um, I spend a lot of time educating myself in my spare time. So I read anything that comes across my desk. Um, in 2020, I took a, like a DEI certification course to like better understand how to build metrics around it. Because, you know, companies need to understand what metrics you're going to measure. Um, and so that's really how I got into social impact entirely by accident every step of the way. And so you mentioned the gamer group that was raising money for charity. So inevitably, there's going to be somebody that listens to the, the episode and doesn't know exactly what Twitch does um, and how you can use Twitch to raise money for organizations. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So um, I don't work at Twitch anymore, so I can use the easier explanation, which is Twitch is YouTube, but live. And yes, YouTube has live components, but it's not. It's just different. Um, so Twitch's entirely live content started out primarily video games only, and over time included creative, music. Um, I helped my my prior um, teammate Cassandra, who I brought on, launch a really cool project where now there's a category for always on animal streams because people love to watch adorable things. So it's just live content. It is a 13 up site, so uh, that. You know, should help folks understand the demographic. And then really, we've got grandma. There's grandmas that stream. I think there's a WoW Grandma. So World of Warcraft, I think is her username. WoW Grandma and 78. And she has like a couple hundred people watching her. And she's like 78 years old when she started her channel. And it's it's fantastic. And the fundraising comes into it 
a lot of folks are like, I want to raise money through gaming. And even even people who are like streamers and influencers, they'll phrase it that way. But if you want to get really particular, what it is is people who are creating content and connecting with their audiences who happen to be playing video games are fundraising. Now, currently, um, Twitch doesn't have any fundraising tools, so you'll have to use third-party tools like Streamlabs Charity is a good one, for example. And the influencers will, the Twitch streamers will go use those existing tools. It'll be like a campaign page. And the difference between that and, say, your traditional DIY crowdfunding type fundraising is these tools are built for people doing live interactive content in the moment, and they have the tools necessary for Twitch streamers or YouTube streamers or TikTok folks to donate and to make that moment magical. Got it. Okay. And so you mentioned that you fell into social impact. So with your time at Twitch, what are some of the lessons that you learned about social impact, DE&I, and just building a kind of charity arm of an organization? I think the biggest thing is that it's a like social impact is something that people feel good about and they start to get emotional and then they find it really hard to stick to a strategy. Um, And in everything that I've like read through and taught through and all of the strategy stuff, just like any other business strategy, you have to create a strategy and stick to it. You can't say, oh, but this person came to me with this really compelling story. Does it fit our audience? Does it fit what our consumers care about? And is that a place that we're looking to have an impact in at the moment? It doesn't mean whatever your strategy is today has to be forever, but because it's a feel-good thing, folks do struggle with the business aspect of it, which on the flip side of that, because they have a hard time detaching from that and looking at it from a business perspective, folks can either look at it like, oh, like we don't need to read the business aspect, or they say, well, there is no business aspect and it's like the, it just have to be truly committed. It has to be really baked into your company's DNA. And that's for social, I look at social impact as like a really, um, really, really, really big umbrella term. I like it better than CSR, corporate social responsibility, um, because it encapsulates DEI, community outreach, you know, governance and policy and sustainability, but not every company can hit every vertical equally and effectively. And I think that what I learned was that you can't do everything. You have to be really specific. You have to measure it. And you have to remind people that it is a business imperative, not just that it makes you feel good. How do you do that? How do you explain to executives, for example, the business imperative of social impact? So sometimes, um, you know, and I've helped a lot of folks try to make cases across the gaming industry to like spin up. Sometimes it's just they you can't like it's a very particular thing where it doesn't matter how much research you show. There's been research, I want to say, since the 90s from like Deloitte does a study almost every other year that showcases. I think the most recent thing I read was every dollar spent on social impact programming typically nets back $18 in revenue. That's a huge return. Um, And it's usually because. Two people also don't always agree on what the right thing is. And because it makes you feel good and you want to do the right thing, people who aren't, I don't want to say aren't qualified. I think everyone can get qualified if they take the time. But I think folks who have like really specific passions and interests will can like drive and shape the narrative. 
So I think it's I think um, the role of social impact or DEI or nonprofit partnerships at any company is one of the harder ones because not only are you balancing getting folks to remember it's the business imperative, you're also balancing everyone's personal interests. What board are they on? What's important to them? What does their MIMA think is important? And so, um, and then also getting appropriate resourcing. So it's a, it's a tough battle and I don't think that there's a really good answer. Um, I think that if you find after a period of time and you've tried all of the things to get people on board and they're not on, on board, like the chances are that's not gonna change. And so you gotta navigate. It's easier to say to navigate with what people are willing to give you and be on board with than it is to say go out and like change everyone's minds because people when it comes to doing something good already have their mind made up a lot of the time. That's a good point. One thing I want to transition to is influencing good. So I am a big proponent of side hustles, passion projects. I feel like everyone should have some type of passion project. How did influencing good get started? Out of spite, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> I I give a lot of information away from free like I, because I think that... I've never really liked the idea that knowledge is gatekeeped and like held behind money. And I get why like that's the society we live in, but I don't like it. And in the early days of the pandemic, I had an agency reach out to me. And, you know, it's really amazing. I'm at player two because that agency put a really bad taste in my mouth because they reached out to me. I got on a, like a two and a half hour call with them and they wanted to understand how their nonprofit clients could utilize gaming, work with Twitch streamers. And so, um, you know, I, I spent all this time. I was like, absolutely. And normally I had a policy that when working with an agency, their nonprofit partner should be on the call. But this time they were saying they were working with multiple clients. And I was like, you know, this, this will be really good. And then like less than a week later, they had like charging $250 for a workshop to nonprofits on how to do it. And I was very upset. I was so it started as a couple of LinkedIn posts, like really long LinkedIn posts around how to do it, just putting the information out there. And then I launched a website called Influencer Fundraising, which was super specific. And it got so specific, I struggled to like upload new information and perspectives. So, um, and then like everyone, I got bogged down because 2020 was really rough. And then going into 2021, you didn't seem to catch your breath either. So I actually took a really long pause and recently relaunched it as Influencing Good. And um, it's a small agency. It doesn't focus on like long-term strategy because that's what I do on my day job, but it's like much smaller components. Um, I do product um, consulting as well. I've done a lot of um, feedback. Like I've worked with influencers a lot and they share lots of ideas around what they hope to see. So I do a lot of various components in that way. And how does your work at Influencing Good translate over to Player 2 and what you're doing there? So Player 2 is gaming-specific and hyper-focused on gaming and esports and some of the emerging technologies, where Influencing Good is a more broad resource, looking at it from an influencer perspective, not gaming-specific. So in a lot of ways, it's complementary. In some cases, sometimes people email me, you know, Influencing Good, and I'm like, hey, I actually think like this would be much better suited. Let me get you connected through Player 2, and then we have a conversation there. Um, and so usually that's... that's, that's good symbiotic relationship 
And influencing goods also a really good outlet for me to write like my opinions without having like my employer on the hook for those same opinions. Right. Got it. Okay. And so your role at player two, what does that look like day to day? So my title is strategy and social impact. And so really what that is, um, is most of our currently most of our clients who are interested in social impact are really interested in fundraising. So they're nonprofits. Um, and I joined in February and I'm really excited because some of the things that we are expanding our services to is I think the gaming industry really needs like they they need to hire someone to do their strategies like they may not be able to like keep an agency on to execute everything but I do think they needs like a little help and so we are also expanding um, to include helping game developers or publishers or influencing marketing firms build out their social impact strategy or like how do they be multicultural or more diverse in the programming that they're doing. Um, hoping to pitch even even stuff like DreamHack, like they're a big global festival that ha- has places around the world. They can have a lot of impact. And the more the more we see across gaming, the less of the conversation we'll see of like, what's it like to be a woman in gaming? I have many things to say other than to talk about what it's like to be a woman uh, in gaming. But yet, um, even now, at like, I was invited to speak on a woman in gaming panel at a like charity event in gaming. They know I'm an expert in this space, and I was still invited to talk about what it's like to be a woman in gaming in an area that is predominantly woman at that. Um, so I'm hoping to see a shift in that through being able to provide services to our clients that come to us and say, hey, like, you know, and it doesn't always have to be a gaming client. It can be, say, if we have a consumer good product and their fashion, body positivity is a really good one. Accessibility and clothing is another one. So I really hope to see more conver- like deeper conversations in the gaming space than what we've seen so far. As a fellow gamer myself, um, it's I... Number one, I was excited to talk to you because obviously you're a gamer and you know this space. From your perspective, what is the opportunity in gaming for social impact? Like, what's where where can we do? You mentioned it a little bit, but where can we do better as a society when it comes to gaming? So with gaming, I think it's really easy to be like gamers are are super into charity. Um, I would say gamers are, but the game companies aren't. Like we we saw like really big movement with um, the unfortunate Ukraine invasion and like a lot of folks mobilizing. But those same developers don't have like a regular touch point or touch base. They don't have frameworks on how they make decisions. And often it is um, kind of at the at the whim. And I think that like Fortnite got a lot of credit for that. But has Fortnite done an event before this? No. Um, so they're getting a lot of credit for responding in the moment. And I'd like to see more sustained support. Like, obviously, you know, folks can feel really uncomfortable handing over millions of dollars doing a sales activation. They don't have to give, you know, they can cap it. But I'd like to see more products and services and developers, like, develop real strategies where you can tell they're showing up and they have things a company cares about. And outside of charity fundraising, I think that companies can just really benefit from thoughtful CSR strategies that have really big impact, that focus on DEI, and in a lot of cases, sustainability. I think gamers like to be really anti-NFT because of the, of the sustainability impact, but don't take a look inward at how much does their, how much electricity does it take to stream 
and what about everybody watching and how much electricity is everybody watching in the server and so I think sustainability is a bigger conversation in gaming as well. You mentioned frameworks. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, in terms of like what frameworks do you feel like this, the gaming industry needs to create that kind of foundation for, so, for sustainable social impact? Yeah, for sustainable social impact, I think they have to look at like all of sustainability is probably my weakest area when it comes to social impact because it is very science heavy. Yep. And I didn't. I did not do so hot in biology myself, so and less so in chemistry. But it for any social impact strategy, regardless of the topic, they need to identify like what they care about as a company. What are their what are the people they're serving care about too? I think that's more important than what the company cares about. Because the company is gonna care about whatever the CEO or leaders care about or whatever the biggest voice is at the time. But how does that relate? Like for it to be a true have true business ROI. How does that relate to what the people that you're serving, your customers, your users um, care about and deciding like, well, what is a reasonable budget? What are we hoping to return on this? Is this more users? Is it press coverage? Is it um, we want to be have a halo effect and be associated with positive, you know, particularly in gaming. You have a lot of game, large game companies coming out with really lots of negative stories. And so it's going to take a lot more than a donation to a nonprofit to make them look good. They're going to have to put together a whole thing of like, cool, what does it look like externally? And what is it like internally? And I think that's the other thing is there's social impact for your employees and there's social impact for the, you know, your consumers. And when it comes to understanding what your customers or your users care about, what advice would you give a fellow social impact practitioner in terms of how to actually go about doing that and finding those insights? So usually there, I would look for the negative conversations around your company. I know that sounds like counterintuitive, but the folks who are having negative comments, you can drive like what they're most upset about. If it's from like a social justice standpoint, you didn't take a stance on Black Lives Matter or Asian hate. What do your consumers want to know? They want to know that when they give you money that you care about people and you care about the struggles they're going through. And I think that, you know, they want to know it's more than I think than just posting on social media. They want to know what change or how you're impacting it. And sometimes your social impact strategies can't undo the harm your company has caused, particularly if you have somebody in, within your company that you need to let go that you don't want to let go, like no amount of money given to a charity, no amount of DEI programming is going to do any good if you are still employing someone who has caused harm and everybody knows about it. So I think too, the second part to identifying what your consumers care about is, um, and I learned this really tough because I like to like try to tackle every problem I come across. You can't do that as a social impact professional. It's not your job. You can't save the soul of your company as, as like sad as that kind of sounds coming out now that I say it out loud. Um, but you, what you can do is you can build meaningful stories and you can drive impact and remind yourself. And in your marketing, you got to talk about the good you do. You know, your company may have caused harm in one area, but your programming today or programming that you're building, you know, gives positive impact in another. And I think we often want everything to be absolute. But at the end of the day, I don't think 
I don't think that you can be absolute one good or bad as a company because there's a lot of unintended consequences and impact that we have through programming. Speaking of doing good, you have raised a lot of money for nonprofits. I believe it's three hundred over $300 million since 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So um, it depends how you look at it. Um, I was encouraged by my career coach to be really bold about that. Basically, I've touched a lot of campaigns and advised a lot of nonprofits getting getting into it. And this is what I know through like things that I'm able to track that are kind of like public information. Um, but I've advised a lot of nonprofits over my time. He was even advising nonprofits long before I was at Twitch. Like one of the earliest nonprofits I can remember getting on um, a fundraising site for creators is American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. They're they're a solid one because they start with A, so they're at the low top of the directory and their their mental health, which people care about, and they they do a decent amount of fundraising in the space because it's an important cause. And so a lot of my stuff that I talk about nonprofits with tend to sound counterintuitive to raising lots of money. Like you need to build a community, you need to have lots of one-to-one connections. And it's very different. And the reason it's so different is, you know, generational changes as we're going through and people who are hyper connected to the internet look at nonprofits differently. So I've raised a lot of money, but I would say I didn't do all the hard work. I did a lot of advising. Now, kind of flipping that a little bit in approaching that from a corporate perspective, what advice would you give a company that wants to raise money for a charity or raise a fund, for example, to then allocate a percentage of that fund to, let's say, 10 nonprofits or 20 nonprofits? So Riot does a really good job of this. And I think um, in the same same way I'm saying they do a really good job, I think that they have something really powerful that a lot of companies don't. They have super hyper mobilized community that will that just love everything riot does so when they launched the impact fund it made a lot of sense that they were able to divide up and give money to nonprofits where their players are and their players got to vote for a company that doesn't have that mobilization um one big thing that people will often challenge is how are you showing up you're asking us to donate or raise money but how are you showing up And that can look a lot of different ways. Um, If you're in the gaming space and working with gaming influencers, if if you're having your influencer partners fundraise for a nonprofit your company cares about on Twitch, like match their donations while they're live. Like there, you you have to show up. You can't just ask your users to do things. You have to show up in a meaningful way. A lot of times this looks like money. In fact, an overwhelming amount of times it looks like money, but money is what makes the world go round. So that shouldn't shock anybody. Okay, last question for you. When you think about your career and all the the experiences that you've had, what excites you most about the social impact profession? And also, what is exciting you in terms of the work that you're currently doing? So from a social impact um, perspective is that it's a really hot job right now. Um, They're almost every company, like the, the hot jobs right now are DEI, social impact and community managers. Those roles are popping up at like traditional companies that I have, would have never in my life expect to see something like a community manager pop up. And so I think it's really exciting because those other roles all work together. Like community management, I definitely think supports DEI roles when you're talking about your consumer base and social impact because, you know, you're 
closest community, your closest users to your company are going to be able to give you lots of insights and feedback as you build stuff out. And I think the other thing that's really exciting is that we're now doing more data research around social impact than we ever have been before. You know, Giving Tuesday just, um, I want to say earlier this month, launched uh, shared an informal giving research that they did showcasing that like more people want to give to individuals over nonprofits in a lot of places because it has a much bigger and direct impact. So I think with that, we're going to start seeing um, a big shakeup in the future generations coming saying, why are we giving to, you know, really large organizations that move really slow or maybe have a, and not saying right or wrong, but I am excited to see like, what is generation Z or generation alpha come up with when they get to this space, when they start looking at it. Um, And I love to see lots of B Corps. B Corps is becoming a very popular and trendy thing to be. Um, And so that's super exciting. But I'm sorry, what was the second question? In terms of what you're doing today, yes. what's really getting you juiced up about about your role? It's really new. So I was at Twitch for five years, which is where I discovered that I love social impact and that's what I wanted to do with my life. So being at a marketing agency, I get to explore lots of opportunities and ideas and stories and really like dive into my creativity in a way that I don't think I'd been able to before because I'm not looking at it from one company, looking at it from multiple companies. Right. Um, one of the cool projects I'm working on right now is our client BCRF. Um, We came up with this really cool concept to paint gaming pink every October. And we're, you know, currently working behind the scenes to make that as big as possible. But the idea is like, you know, 46% of gamers are women and breast cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer in the world at this point. So it makes a lot of sense why, like just his humanity would care about And Paint Gaming Pink also is just like a little bit of a hint of reminding like, hey, women play video games. It's a little bit of a DEI play. And you can paint Gaming Pink in any way you want. So I'm really excited for this campaign to see how it comes, uh, what it comes to fruition. Eliza, I really appreciate you joining me. And I loved learning more about your background. And I'm really excited about all the work that you're doing today and all the impact it will have. So thank you so much for joining me. Yes, absolutely. Thanks again for having me, Jeremy. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.